So in January of 2020, I, I helped organize a, a workshop around the, the topic of positive youth development practices. And uh, as part of that workshop, um, the facilitators started to, to discuss the brain development process. And, and so from that initial conversation and introduction to, to that topic, I've, I've been really interested in learning a little bit more about how understanding the brain development process might have a, a positive impact for coaches and, and program administrators. Uh, and so to kind of jumpstart that conversation and, and dive further into that topic, uh, I've invited Kaylee Cornelison from the University of Michigan's Adolescent Health Initiative to, to join us and sit down and, and talk a little bit about the adolescent brain development process and, and dive into to why it might be important for, for coaches, administrators, and youth practitioners to, to have a better understanding of exactly how the brain develops and, and what that might mean for, for the youth that we work with. A few months ago, I was I organized a workshop for a group of coaches um, around positive youth development. Um, uh-huh. So, kind of this broader subject of of positive youth development. Uh, but within that, they presented on adolescent brain development, and it was you know kind of a smaller subject, or smaller topic within the the bigger topic. Um, but they touched on it, and we're talking about the the cycles of brain development and what it means and um, it, it really got me thinking. And I, honestly, ever since that workshop, I've been thinking a ton about this subject because I was thinking back through my times as a coach and, and running you know, youth programs. And, and I, I was not, this was not something that I was considering. I wasn't thinking about the cycles of brain development and how it might impact how, how a youth might react to something or how they're thinking. Um, and so I've been really thinking about it a lot. And so uh, this may seem a little bit a bit odd, but so like Erica Badu has a, a lyric uh, in one of her songs, and it, it, it's like something like uh, a man that that knows something knows he knows nothing at all, and uh-huh. that's kind of how I feel about this because the, the, I've, I've been researching and looking into it, um, but it's just a subject that I, I feel like I, we is so important for us to know, um, and for us as coaches and youth practitioners, teachers. Everybody. Um, so I think my, my, my question to you for, for our listeners is, um, and for me as well, uh, is, what is the study of adolescent brain development? Why, why is it important? Yeah, I think it's important because of really the reason that you, a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, which is that when we better understand where young people are developmentally, it helps us to understand their behavior a little bit better, right? So um, brain development, just in general, we kind of think of that as like the different phases of, um, you know, everything from like in utero all the way to adulthood and um, even beyond adolescence, right? We're gonna be talking more about the adolescent phase, Um, but there are just certain parts of the brain that are developing in different ways that sort of um, affect behavior, comprehension, critical thinking skills, and all of that. Um, and so for adolescents in particular, um, the research is showing that, you know, young people are, you know, developing their brains sort of like in that early adolescence space, that 12, 11, 12 year old, um, age range where the, um, production of synapses are really like kicking off and then it's doing pruning, right? So those 
areas, those connections that aren't being used as much are being pruned away to sort of make room for more connections for young people as they're learning new skills, making, um, be more social. Turn this off. Um, and so for adolescents in particular, when we're having this sort of spurt of, of development and of growth, it's really, people talk about this a lot, that prefrontal cortex, the, the decision-making, the long-term um, consequence thinking part mm -hmm. of the brain, that's when that part's really starting to develop. And so when we see young people sometimes having a little bit more risk behavior, doing things that we as adults would think like, why, why would you take that risk or why would you do that? That's really has to do with that prefrontal cortex um, development and knowing that this was something maybe, gosh, I feel like this was maybe about 10 years ago now where the research was showing that that part of the brain wasn't even fully developed until like 21 to 25 years old. Right. So when we're thinking about adolescents, a lot of times we think teens, but adolescents really goes beyond that. And I feel like that came out when I was about 25. So I was like, that's oh, not fair. How dare you? Know? Like right. I'm an adult, right? But right. Um, that adolescent phase is really a lot longer than we sometimes realize. So we're even thinking about like college age student athletes um, and beyond even a little bit, their brains are also still developing. Right. So I think that that's a really interesting part of it. Uh, and so uh, like what what type of uh, emotions or type of things are happening at that cycle of, of brain development uh, for, for an adolescent? Like what type of things are they going through? Yeah, it's really interesting. So there's a lot of like seeking of new experiences, mm -hmm. right? Creating something new or something that's exciting, um, trying new things, which when you think about adolescents that you know, or we even like reflect on our own adolescents, it's a really good time to be trying out new things at that age. Um, so, you know, like I said, seeking new experiences, um, not necessarily thinking through consequences. So some of those risk behaviors in, in the work that I do, we think a lot about like risky sexual behaviors or using drugs or alcohol, but it could be things um, beyond that too. So, you know, we think a lot about uh, young people as being a little bit more fearless than adults. So it could be related to athletics or skateboarding or, you know, something like that too. Um, and then I think something that's really helpful for parents to know is that it's really developmentally appropriate during adolescence for young people to connect more with peer groups and less with family, um, which can be a hard transition, I think, often for parents. But um, it also makes sense in the context of I'm an adult, I'm starting to build my own life, build my own connections, create my own community out of my core family unit. Um, so I think that that's interesting too in the context of team sports um, for young people to sort of have that built in group that they're making connections with too. Right. That's really interesting because I think when you're an adult or a coach or a parent, you know, you're, you might not think of it from that perspective, from from the, the adolescent's perspective of their wanting to try new things and to have these experiences. And it's not it's not because of you as a parent or you as a as a coach. Yeah. It's it's the cycle of how they're developing as a as a human. Yep. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's development. I always say it's developmentally appropriate, right, for young people to be doing these things and testing boundaries and figuring out what their limits are. 
um, seeing who they are and who they want to be around. What do they want to do? Um, it's a great time for testing things out. Right. And then, but then that's where our, us as a coach or a parent, that's where our job is to be, be monitor, being aware of those things and kind of, uh, I, I would aiding and helping them explore those things, but at a, while being safe and, and yeah. responsible. And, yeah. I think especially for coaches, it's such a important role. I was a student athlete all, all the way through high school and my wife actually was a high school softball coach and played in college and see thinking about my coaches growing up and the role that they played and then watching her be that person for other young people that other safe adult role is so important right because Absolutely. as a teen i may be thinking oh, i want to differentiate from my family i want to be independent i want to do my own things but having those other supportive adults sometimes it's teachers sometimes it's friends parents but coaches are in such a good position because if you're practicing every day or close to every day, you're having a lot of contact with them. Um, as a coach, you're able to um, set boundaries, allow for healthy risk taking when it comes right. to sort of what they're engaging in, in the sport that they've chosen. Um, it's just such an important and kind of special role Absolutely. I think, to, Absolutely. to have. And, and you get, you, we're getting kids, you know, coaches are getting kids in an environment that they enjoy generally, you know, they, yeah. they, they want to play sports. They, they enjoy being around their friends and, and testing themselves and learning new things. And so you're getting them in a different environment than a teacher or a parent is getting them in. Yep. Um, yep, exactly. It's a place for them to sort of, um, be a little bit more relaxed necessarily than a, than a classroom per se. So. Especially if the coach is doing a good job of creating that culture where they can, yep. can feel that way and aren't feeling pressure to, you know, if they make a mistake or if they try something new and, and it doesn't go perfectly or, or whatever the case yeah. is, that culture that the coach can create is really important. Um, and so at the University of Michigan, at the Adolescent Health Initiative, what, what work are you guys doing there in this in this space? Yeah, so it's kind of going back to what you were asking me before, like, why is, why is understanding adolescent brain development so important? So... The work that we do is that we work with healthcare providers across the country to help them be more adolescent-centered in the work that they do. And teaching them about brain development and about the prefrontal cortex and about certain behaviors that are really common and typical and developmentally appropriate for adolescents is really key. Mm -hmm. um, we work with not just like a doctors and nurses um, but also like front desk staff, medical assistants, sort of the whole team mm -hmm. at a health center. And so one of the big things that we do is we try to educate them on that phase of brain development and what sort of behaviors they can expect, right? Because if I'm someone who works the front desk at a health center and I have a young person come in and they're maybe like looking down or they're mumbling or they're on their phone or whatever, just trying to give them a little bit more of an opportunity to develop empathy mm -hmm. for those young people and right. sort of understand where they're coming from instead of automatically being frustrated or um, for our providers to sort of think about, well, some, you know, uh, sometimes risky behavior is a part of development, but how do I talk to young people about um, taking risks in a safe way or protecting themselves if they are gonna take a risk? Right, and because- um, Cause, cause we kind of get people thinking about that stuff. 
right because we're as adults we're our brain is at a different place we're, we're at a yeah. different part of the development process yeah so, exactly um, exactly we're like well why can't you just think about the consequences of what you're doing right. or why can't you just um you know be nice to your parent or whatever right, it might right. be um it's it's all a part of the, the brain development I know I used to give people used to give me a hard time because I used to I used to mumble quite a bit when I was younger. Yeah, I don't. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't wasn't trying to. I wasn't. Uh, but I, I would I either so, spoke really softly or just didn't speak in in a way that was fully clear all the time. And it, it, I'm thinking back. Maybe that was maybe that was part of the reason why. Yeah, I think it's a part of that. Like, um, you know, we can tend to be pretty self conscious in adolescence. Yeah. Um, and so if we're maybe unsure of ourselves or, you know, whatever that might look like that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways, the way that we wear wear our hair or how we dress or even how we speak, like you're saying. Right. That's really, it's really interesting. Um, and how, how do you guys define adolescence? Cause I know I, I've in the international development world or in, in, in schools and other places I've, I've, I, I think the term is used differently sometimes. How do you guys define adolescence? We typically say 12 to 21 for our purposes when it comes to healthcare. Um, but as I said, that that prefrontal Good. cortex development can sometimes go all the way to 25, but we have to kind of cut it off somewhere. But. Right. I mean, that 12 to 21, that's such an important time frame mm-hmm. anyway. Yep. Um, and, and so, like, what things are unique uh, to adolescence in this, in this stage? I, I don't know if that's a similar question to what kind of emotions are going through, but what, what things are unique during this stage? Yeah, I think it's similar to, to the emotions piece because adolescence is so much about like developing that emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think other things are, um, you know, developing some of those critical thinking skills, mm-hmm. you know, we're thinking, well, it's, it's sort of a contradiction in that young people are sometimes a little bit more selfish and thinking about self, but also those critical thinking skills are coming in where young people are also thinking about the world as a whole. So what things are they interested in? Where do they see injustices, mm-hmm. um, you know, going on um, in the world around them and sometimes getting more a little engaged in those pieces? Um, but I think so much of this time is really about identity development mm-hmm. you know who am I what do I like who do I like what kind of person do I want to be how do I want to represent myself um you know so you see young people like trying out different ways of speaking activities they're engaged in how they cut their hair what they wear you know those types of the what music that they listen to um it's really a huge time of self-exploration and and discovery I think which is really cool and yeah. also really hard. And you scary. Know? Like, and scary. Most people look back at adolescence. I know I do. And I think, man, that was a really tough time because you are so inundated with emotions. And um, Every, am, I, am I normal? Who do I want to be? I want to stand out, but maybe not too much. You know, right, right. so it's tough. And then you throw school and all the stuff that happens yeah. there and all the dynamics and, 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 and the social settings and all that, yep. all that good stuff. It's really interesting. I was going to say, too, especially for student athletes, you have a lot of responsibilities. You know, yeah. you're going to school, doing homework, but also practicing. I know when I was in season with my sport, we, we practiced every day and sometimes 
had weekend tournaments or extra practice if you were, you know, doing something specialized. So it's a lot of a lot of stuff. Right. And you, you add on all the other uh, other things that are happening. It's a it's a really it's a really important time. And so it's it's really yeah. good to know under have an understanding of those things so we can then be a part of helping and aiding in the in the way that makes the most sense. Um, yeah. And so then understanding that that emotions and, and all of these things are are happening uh, at that time. How might, in your opinion, a, a coach or a a program and administrator account for this period uh, when putting together like a program or or a, a team culture or um, you know organizing their activities. Yeah, I think one thing that you said earlier is is really important is setting a culture where it's okay to um, make mistakes and not you know be perfect all the time because I think uh, adolescents can can sometimes be sensitive to criticism, right? Mm -hmm. So setting up a culture where it's okay to try something and not do it perfectly. Um, Also, I think setting boundaries, you know, as much as um, young people can sometimes push against boundaries, that also creates a sense of safety. Mm -hmm. So if I know if I'm late for practice, there is a consequence that sort of helps me to prioritize things and understand what, and and make those boundaries really clear. Um, Because I think sometimes there's this sense of like, well, that's so unfair, right? right <laughs> I didn't right. know what the rule was or whatever. So setting boundaries as long as they're clear and well communicated, I think is really um, helpful. Um, I think too, just in general, athletics create an opportunity for leadership mm-hmm. for, yeah. for adolescents. So team captains or being in charge of something particular um, when it comes to their team can be you know, really helpful and um, building that confidence and building that sense of identity. Um, what else? Yeah. Oh, and I think the other thing too, um, is that understanding that all young people learn things differently. So, Mm -hmm. you know, coming from a coach, so I'm going to tell you what to do, but I might also need to show you what to do so that young people have that variety of different, um, methods of coaching or learning. Right. I think that's a great point. And that was actually, you know, I think like similar to how people learn differently, uh, people coach differently. There's different coaching styles, different different styles of, of teaching. Uh, I also think it's really important for coaches to get to know their players individually uh, and get to know what works for the individual player. Uh, because when you talk about leadership, for example, leadership looks differently. There's not one picture of, hey, this is what leadership looks like. Uh, And as kids are exploring all of the things that are happening with them, you know, giving those leadership opportunities and some ownership over parts of the the team or the culture of the program, uh, I think it would be really important to that development process. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's great. And my, my background is in social work. And so what you just described is what we say, meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. So meeting young people where they are, whether that means developmentally or emotionally or in their ability to um, step up and step into some of those leadership roles or whatever that might look like. So really, like you said, getting to know them on a individual basis, not just as one of many. Right, right. Um, and, and so what role do you think the development process might play in so, so there's a, so backtrack a little bit there's 
there's a, a big idea about giving kids an opportunity to have a say in how their program is developed. So it, how, how things go shouldn't come from me as the coach. Uh, 100% the kids should have a say in how their program looks and how it develops. Do, do you think there's something within the development process where that would help in the, 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 uh, the development process, the brain development process? Yes, I think absolutely. And it, that, that takes me back to my days of uh, organizing community service learning in a mm-hmm. youth development program um, where it's really helping young people to own whatever the thing is that they're doing, whether it's community service or their athletic um, experience, uh, their practices or you know whatever that looks like. Um, I think, though, the key is that it has to be tailored to where those young people are developmentally. So you're going to give maybe more freedom or more input for young, older adolescents mm-hmm. and younger adolescents are going to um, have fewer choices. So maybe that's like, okay, you can choose either drill A or drill B that we're going to do at practice, start practice with today. Which one do you prefer? And they vote or whatever. Whereas maybe for some older adolescents, it would be, okay, what do you guys want to do at practice today? Or they're having a little bit more of a, of a say in the planning. So I think it has to be scaffolded based on to develop how developmentally appropriate it is for, for the group. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's, that's really interesting. And I, I know thinking back personally to, to teams that have coached younger younger youth and, and, and older youth and thinking how the, the practices, understanding the development process, how, how it could, uh, could do practices a little bit differently. I think that's really important for coaches to, to be able to, to understand. Um, mm-hmm. And so one thing I learned in, in that workshop was uh, youth tend to be very ju- justice-oriented. Um, and I think, you know, I think I knew that and I think I understood that, but I didn't think I correlated it with the development process of like this is part of, of how the brain is developing. Uh, developing. So I, like, what are your thoughts on how that factors into to how justice-oriented kids tend to be? Yeah, I think it's in in the development process, they're really starting to be able to grasp these abstract concepts more. So I think it aligns really seamlessly with, with that part of development. So I understand more in general, maybe something like racism or sexism or homophobia as I'm my brain is developing and I can really grasp those abstract concepts a little bit better as an older youth um, as opposed to when I'm a little bit younger. So yeah, I think it makes total sense um and it's just as i think it's just as in terms of like big ideas but also like that's so unfair type stuff like right right, you set this rule but you didn't tell me or um what's the reason that this person is chosen over me like i want to know the why of of what's going on and and that's that's part of the process right that's that's part, part of what we know is the how the brain is developing that's part of what's going on within inside of 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 the, of the kids that we're working with. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, exactly. and I think back to, to times again, where, you know, you set a, set a, a boundary or set, you know, we need to be a practice by this time and so-and-so is late or, you know, something happens and, uh, whatever the consequence or whatever you set for that, that happening, if, if that doesn't happen, if you don't, follow through with that, then kids are saying, well, hey, how come this is happening? Or how come they were able to be late? But I was a minute late last week. And 
you know, I had to do this or this happened to me. Right. Um, but that consistency, I think, is exactly what you're speaking to, right? So if, if this person has this consequence, should it, should it be the same for me? Or I feel like maybe it should be the same for me. Um, yeah, it's, it's just such an interesting thing. And I think th- that was that was one of the main things that I was going back to as I, or I, I keep thinking about because, uh, I, again, thinking back to previous teams and previous places that I've, I've been involved or programs I've been involved, uh, are we factoring in things like that into how we're developing the program? And I think uh-huh. it's such a valuable thing for coaches to understand. Yeah. Um, and it's really good to hear like that's I'm certainly not alone in, in not always factoring that that in. So one thing I've been thinking about with, again, internally kind of reflecting on on how brain development can factor into to how youth participate and how they're involved in programs. Do, do you think that there is a correlation with that development process and how often kids are participating or not participating in, in sports? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think there can be, I think it, it's sort of going back to a lot of what you've described is like, what is the culture of the team and what kind of support are they getting? What kind of criticism is it? Does it feel um, like a safe space? I think can really affect it. I also think it's going to depend on, you know, I think peer opinion is mm-hmm. so important. And so um, if it's kind of looked down upon in my peer group to participate in whatever sport it is, that that can also have a big impact, you know? So um, it's a little bit of a both and with like, what's the culture and what's my peer group thinking about this and how important that that is to, to young people at that developmental stage. Right, right, yeah. It's there's so many things that go into uh, whether whether or not playing sports is enjoyable. It's not just getting on a field and kicking a soccer ball around. There's all these other factors that need to or that come into play. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, came back to me. Okay. I was going to ask you as a coach: Have you had the experience where you had young people who um, were? sort of resistant or sort of like, oh, I don't want to do this today or um, kind of had a bad attitude. And how how did you address that in terms of this age group in particular? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's, I, I think, a, a common thing is, you know, not everyone is going to, to want to do everything that we, we, we might plan or we might put together. And, and I think, it goes back to the relationship that you can develop with the with each individual uh, totally. player on the team. And so, if I know, uh, and I and also understanding and knowing that it's 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 not just it may not be just about the activity that that I have planned. It may not be just about you know we need to run because we need to be in better shape. It's not. It's it, there's other factors that are going into why someone might not want to to do a particular activity or participated all that day um, because yeah. of all of these outside things that are that are going on. And so I think uh, having that understanding of each individual player really helps mitigate a lot of those things because if you have that relationship and that understanding, you know how to respond in the when inevitably it, it may happen um, where someone yeah. doesn't want to participate in something. Um, and I also think explaining why we're doing things you know we're, we're not doing this drill just because i say so or just because you know i, I want to see you guys 
run uh, or whatever it is, you know, it's this is why we're doing it and this is our goal and this is what we're trying to accomplish. And but also then getting the the feedback from from the players, you know, I've many times have I put a drill together, put a a practice plan together um, and it didn't go as I was expected. It didn't go how I had planned, saw it in my mind um, because maybe I didn't get feedback from the kids initially. Um, And so I'll always try and solicit that feedback so that way I can adjust for future plans. And and maybe it didn't go well that day because I didn't do a good enough job as a coach. Um, But if you're getting that feedback and have that relationship, uh, you can make sure that that doesn't happen as often as it possibly could. Um, yeah. So I think the relationship is is so key. Knowing your players. I totally agree. You know. Yeah. Because you can tell. I think you know when when someone has something else that's going on, right? If you know that young person and they're showing up every day and they're motivated and excited, and then they're not. Right. Um, you know, usually it's something else that's that's happening, or like you said, they they didn't have input on something that they wanted to have input, or they don't understand why why are we doing sprints again, or you know whatever right. <laughs> whatever it might be right right and 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 most I think some some youth and some athletes you know if if something is happening outside of of uh, off the field the field is that escape it's their it's their yeah. this is where I go and I'm not thinking about that or or dealing with that. Uh, and so they may not bring that specifically to a practice in, in the way that, you know, someone who, who doesn't separate, isn't separating those, those two things, um, which they don't have to. I mean, I, it's it, what's going on in your life. It shouldn't stop just because you're not at soccer practice necessarily. If, if something's bothering you and, or something's going on, like it shouldn't just have to stop just because you're at practice. But, you know, some, some kids can get a, get away on the field and that's that's yeah. partly why they love so I'm, i know myself you know i play yeah. basketball a few times a week i uh if there's ever something going on, i go play basketball and, and i know that's my that's my time i can clear my clear my brain or clear whatever's going on and then i can think more clearly about what's happening outside um totally and so if we can create a safe space and a culture as a coach um that encourages kids to be themselves and to be comfortable and to express themselves then uh you know we're doing uh, a really good job and, and the, the other technical getting better at the sport, those things can, can come from having uh-huh. that positive culture um, uh-huh. and that safe space. And so I think that's, but it all comes, you know, develop relationships with the players and, and, and good things can come. Um, I think that's really interesting. I, I totally agree. And another thing that I'm thinking about um, is social media mm-hmm. and how sometimes I'm thinking that practice or a game can is an opportunity for young people to sort of step away from their phones. And I'm not a person who's like anti-social media. I actually think it can be an amazing tool and opportunity for a lot of young people. And right. you know, when used properly, when done properly. When it, yeah, when yeah. it's used in a way that's productive and creative, and um, that's a topic that I love to talk about. But I'm just thinking about. For me, like you were saying, like I, I'm a runner. And so Mm -hmm. when I have a problem I'm working through, I like to go on a long run and think it through. And then just even having that hour or so away where I'm not on my phone is, is kind of a gift sometimes. And so I wonder if that's, um, true for young people as well, just to have that excuse Mm -hmm. not to be connected, um, during a practice or during a game, um, 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the way social media is used and, and how attached we are to our phones is, is, is definitely a, a factor in, in youth sports. I think that it didn't used to be for sure. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't even remember having a, a phone to bring to the fields necessarily to, to, to use. Uh, or if I did, I don't think I would have thought I, I didn't have social media to be, you know, using right, at the time. Right. But um, do, do you think, I mean, I wonder, do you think that social media then, does it have an impact on, on that brain development process? Is that, have you guys looked into that at all or, or heard anything about the impact that it has on, on? That is a really interesting question. Yeah. Like I said, this is a topic that I'm super interested in. I read about a lot. Um, and I think that there are some studies out there that identify a correlation, but not a causation between mm-hmm. um, social media use and depression mm-hmm. um, in adolescence, but there's no concrete uh, causation that has been shown. Um, so I think it's exactly like what you were saying, when it's used in the right way, when it's used in a way where there's boundaries, where there's safety that's thought about, when we're thinking about risk-taking, online in the same mm-hmm. way that we are in physical spaces. Um, and adults are having those conversations uh, with young people. Um, it can be really positive, but I think um, there's a lot that we still don't know right. about that. And I think as adults, we are just as inundated with social media as young people. So we're, we're not always modeling um, taking a break or using it in a, in a healthy way either. So I think that's really important. (laughs) True. No, true. I, I, I don't use social media too much, but, but again, even as someone who is not on it too often, I'm still highly aware and highly, it's a part of my world, regardless of if I'm daily active on it daily. Um, it's still a part of everything that that's going on. And so kids are going to, to be engaged in it, uh, for, Yeah, we can't keep them away from it, really, you know, and um, I like to talk to young people about, like, what kinds of accounts are you following Mm -hmm. um, on social media, and are they things that make you feel better, or are they things that make you feel worse, Um, so are they, um, there's a lot of, like, especially for young women, there's a lot of stuff out there around, like, thinspo, inspiration, and Mm -hmm. kind of negative body image stuff, but when we can look at know other athletes or draw inspiration from folks who are a positive influence that can especially in terms of mental health can be mm-hmm. really positive right yeah and a coach can a coach can play or an administrator of a, of a team can can play a really large role in in yeah. engaging social media in a positive way um, and using it for positive things and like yeah. you said model the type of behavior that 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 is positive exactly um so that leads me actually to, to kind of the, the last question that I have for you um, is so unfortunately I think one of the one of the trends that we are seeing or that is seen through research um, is that by the age of thirteen a lot of kids are not playing are dropping out of sports they're not playing um, anymore so they and that could be for a variety of reasons you know we we know for a fact. Uh, or we know that kids play because they they want to be with their friends, they want to have fun. Um, you know, a lot want to want to. It's healthy and, and it's it's a it's a positive activity. Um, but we're also learning that those those same things factor into why kids aren't stop playing. Um, 
you know, they're not having fun or their, their, their friends are now playing a different sport or, um, you know, maybe they're, they're feeling pressure from their families to, you know, for performance reasons or for, you know, all these other, other things. Um, do you think that the, the, the brain development process could also factor into why kids may be stepping away? Um, you know, and, and what is it about that time period that might contribute if, if yeah. at all? Yeah, I think so. I think that's really interesting. I wasn't familiar with that statistic um, until you shared it. And um, yeah, I think it it has to do with a lot of the things that we already talked about, which are things like um, peer influence, right? So is it um, desirable in my peer group to be participating? Um, I think it's also, it, it could be due to that sensitivity to criticism that mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about. So mm-hmm. Um, I know as young people progress in their sports, they might have to try out instead of, right. you know, in a younger age where everybody's just a part of the team, right. you know, and that can um, be a determining factor. I was thinking about that actually, because um, I remember when I was in high school, I wanted to try out for volleyball, the volleyball team, but I'm, I'm five two. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, well, I'm too short and I can't, I can't try out because someone told me that right 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 but it's not necessarily it's not true yeah it's not true right Right. so that sensitivity to criticism that questioning of self that self-consciousness um but i think also it can have to do with like who am i and what do i want to do right if i've been doing sports for a while and i have other things that i'm interested in or i don't feel like that's part of my identity anymore that that's a time potentially for young people to kind of change, you know, what they're participating in and what they're interested in. So I think it's a, like you said, a lot of different things factor into it, but where they are developmentally, I think is huge. Right. And, and one thing I've been reading a lot about and, and thinking or looking at is the role that, that uh, esports, like online sports have video games and things yeah. um, because you can get, you know, you can get a lot of the same things that you get from sports, uh, that interaction with friends, you can be online with your friends playing, um, yeah. you can, you know, do something you're good at, you know, you see results from it, um, you know, you're, you're, but you also get to do it in your own space and you also get to do it at your own time in your own, you know, whatever, you don't have the, some of these out, a coach or, or parents potentially um, putting pressure on you to do certain things or to perform or to, to, to do a lot of the yeah. things that do happen. And so a lot of kids are moving towards playing, you know, video games. And, and, you know, of course, you know, that leads, you know, there's the question about the health implications of, of that and not being active and being outdoors and, and, you know, running around and the, the, the benefits of being part of a team and learning all of those, those great things. Um, but it is something, it is a factor as well as, is, is you know, video games taking a larger role in, in kids' lives. And, and that, to me, from what I'm hearing today, makes, you know, part of that development process could also be factoring into why kids are might be moving to something like video games or esports or something like that versus getting yeah. out and playing. Totally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, too, that, that safety of being at home or, um, you know, you're not in front of people that you necessarily know sometimes with the esports stuff where right. if you're in high school playing on whatever team and your your peers from school can see you and come to your game and make you nervous or 
criticize you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it to be a, an adolescent is is a very it's a it's a difficult time in our development yeah. process and and I think you know we we know just from this conversation we can tell that there's a lot of things that have to have to go in in a coach uh, or, or someone operating or facilitating a program can play a really large role in that development process being a positive one. Um, yes. And so I think uh, it's really interesting to hear all these, all these things from you. So thank you for, for sharing. And then finally, what is, back to the topic at hand, what is the most important thing we need to know about adolescent brain development? I, I know there can't be just one thing. I, I think we need to know a lot of things. But you know, what is something that you think would be important to share about adolescent brain development? I think that probably the most important takeaway would be young people are acting that way for a reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think a lot of times we see young people's behavior and you're like, why are you like this? Or we get frustrated. But I think at the end of the day, there's, there's a reason we might not know exactly what the reason is, but there's something behind it. Well, Kaylee, that's, uh, that's, that's all I have for you today. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm very grateful that you were able to take some time out of your day to, to sit down and, and have this conversation with me. Um, I think it's really important for, for coaches and, and youth practitioners and, and really anyone who, who works with kids to, to be able to, to learn a little bit and have an understanding uh, about the development process, about the brain development process. Um, and so I'm just very, very thankful that uh, you took the time out and I look forward to continuing the conversation and uh, sitting down with you again soon. My pleasure. This was so fun. I hope you all took uh, as much away from from this conversation as I did, and uh, it's such a, an interesting and unique topic uh, to think about and to discover. And, and I'd really encourage all coaches and, and youth practitioners out there to to dive into this topic even further and uh, gain a, a better understanding of of how the adolescent brain works. Um, I know I certainly uh, my interest has been been peaked even further, and I will be doing just that. Um, I'd like to, to thank Kaylee again for, for sitting down and chatting with me. And uh, you can learn more about the, the great work that her and her colleagues are doing at the Adolescent Health Initiative um, through the, the link in her bio. Thanks. Talk to you all soon.